This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 46 of Go To Grandma. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and every episode we explore subjects and people that today's grandparents want to know about, and today is no exception. If you've been thinking about getting your suitcases out and getting back on that travel horse, chances are you're like many of us and are looking to avoid excessive travel delays and processes by staying in Canada. Congratulations if you've decided to venture out to the East Coast. I'm a huge fan of PEI, Newfoundland, New Brunswick, and of course, Nova Scotia. Luckily, I have a travel writing colleague who took the opportunity during the travel lockdown period to write a book all about family travel in Nova Scotia. Helen Early is on the show today from Halifax to tell us about her book, 25 Family Adventures in Nova Scotia, Making the Most of Your Travels with Kids. She's going to give us some great advice on where to visit in her beautiful province with the kids and grandkids. Keeping up with the grandkids when you're on vacation can be tough physically. And if you're a regular listener to Go To Grandma, you know that I often have interviews with fitness experts who inspire us all to move just a little bit more. Moving and weight training seem like a natural fitness routine to many of us, but the modern day fitness movement really hasn't been around for that long. Today, I'm going to be talking to Greg Justice, who has just released a biography on Jack LaLanne, the godfather of fitness. Along with Jack's widow, Elaine, Greg has compiled the stories of innovation in fitness and nutrition that Jack brought to the world. He was the first fitness expert to have women working out with weights, as well as encouraging older folks to use them as well. Greg is a fitness expert, author, and speaker, and I'm so glad he's on the show today to tell us about what Jack LaLanne brought to the fitness world, and perhaps personally to you as you train with your weights. Weight training would make up just part of the physical and mental program Olympic athletes go through. I'm so excited today to have former Olympian Kate Wright on the show as part of our Take 5 with RBC series. Kate now works with RBC in their Olympic training ground program. You're going to hear all about that as well. Family, fun, and fitness, we've got it all today. I'm still your go-to grandma, and this is still the best way to start your Saturday morning if you're listening to us on Zoomer Radio or anytime on the podcast. We're heading to Nova Scotia with Helen Early right after the break. Helen Early is an award-winning freelance food and travel writer who writes for Lonely Planet, Fodor's, The Globe and Mail, CBC Life, and Family Fun Canada, among others. She's also a mother of two. Her specialty is family travel. Helen's first book, 25 Family Adventures in Nova Scotia, was written during the pandemic, published in April 2021, and hit the Amazon bestseller list in the Nova Scotia Travel Guidebook category. The book is the first Nova Scotia travel guide for families, and yes, that definitely includes the grandparents. Good morning, Helen Early. Thanks for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Helen, I know a little bit about Nova Scotia, but I didn't know a lot until I got your book. And you wrote a book about family from Nova Scotia. So how is this book different from the other travel guides? Well, this book is, first of all, it's the first travel guide specifically for families. And I want to uh, let people know that it's not just for families with kids. So it's perfect for any kind of family, like a multi-generational family, if you're traveling with grandparents, and even for couples. So that is the first difference. The second difference is it's not like a, a very quick, you know, do this, go there, go that. There's 25 chapters, and each one has a very, an adventure that has lots of different adventures included. Mm-hmm. So 
It's more as if you're reading 25 feature articles in a travel magazine. Ah, cool. Yeah, and you've got great photos to go along with each of those as well. Yeah, the book. So the publisher uh, is really keen on a nice color photos. So it's a beautiful guidebook. It has over 100 color photos. Most of them were taken um, by myself. And it's very easy to read. So it's also um, a book that kids really love. Like I would mm-hmm. recommend if anybody's thinking of going to Nova Scotia, especially with kids, um, it's a good one to, to buy before you go so the kids can really get excited about their trip. Yeah, I love including the kids along with this. And one day, hopefully, my grandsons are too young to include in the planning right now. But I would love to do that. And I love the detail that you include in terms of, oh, there's no cell phone reception here. Or you might want to find a bathroom before you go. Very practical tips. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a lo-fi, low-tech book. So I, I imagine families traveling all over Nova Scotia, maybe, you know, with the kids in the back of the car. And um, it's designed so that you don't have to be online. So it's, it's really like you could pick up the book, head for one of these inv- adventures, and, um, and not have to go to the internet to find out where to go. Right. I love that. And you cover, of course, the right, you know, not the regular, but the things that people might know about downtown Halifax, Peggy's Cove, the Cabot Trail. That's what most of us think about. But you also mentioned a few adventures that are off the beaten track. Can you tell me about a couple of those? Yeah, so the first one I can talk about is the very first chapter, it's number one, and this this um, destination is actually only 10 minutes from my, hu- from my house in North End, Halifax, and it's a beautiful uh, piece of land right on the Bedford Basin overlooking the harbour, and it's called Africville. So Africville is uh, a place that was actually destroyed in the 1960s in the name of urban development, so there's quite a, a human rights story here as well. But it celebrates our African Nova Scotian history in Halifax and in Nova Scotia. And the chapter of the book tells you how to get there, um, what kind of tour you can do, how to enjoy the museum. And it gives you a little bit more information about Nova Scotia's black history. So it's not a place that you see mentioned loads in guidebooks, and it certainly um, gets a good coverage here in my book. I'm really proud of that chapter. That's amazing. And I didn't know about it, Helen. I enjoyed that reading that part of the book very much. And another place that's really special is the Annapolis Valley. So tell me about that. Well, the Annapolis Valley is incredible. So uh, local Nova Scotians go to the valley a few times a year. We go apple picking in the fall and we go in the spring and we go for festivals and sometimes we go for wine tours. But for people who visit Nova Scotia from outside the province, it's not always on their itinerary. Uh, So in my book, I've included three spots in the Annapolis Valley. Um, The apple picking experience, Annapolis Royal, which is a beautiful town, and the location of one of Parks Canada's, actually the location of Parks Canada's first National Historic Site at Fort Anne. And then the third place in the Annapolis Valley is uh, Devour, which it's the, um, the world's largest food and film festival held every October. Oh, wow. Didn't know about that either. Amazing. Yeah, that's chapter 19. (laughs) So you did a lot of these Nova Scotia trips with your own parents or granny and granddad and your family. What are some of your tips for the multi-generational road trip? Yeah, well, we were, we're so lucky. So we have, I have, uh, I'll tell you what our family's like. So we have, I'm 47 years old. My husband's 59. My children are um, 9 and 13. And then my parents are in their late 70s. 
So if mm-hmm. you can picture that age group, you really have to plan carefully when you're traveling. So we're super lucky. Granny and Granddad live just down the road. Um, but when we travel, uh, we think carefully about taking two cars because mm-hmm. we, um, our family likes to stop <laughs> in Tim Hortons. Granny and Granddad don't. <laughs> And yep. <laughs> when we, yeah, when we arrive at our destination, too, um, we really respect that Granny and Granddad uh, need a bit of privacy, so they really enjoy spending time with each other as well as the grandkids. Yep. So we usually try to get, you know, a separate cabin or a separate rooms or sometimes even completely separate locations, and then we can visit each other. I think that's a great tip. We always think we all have to be jammed into the same place to have that family vacation. But you're right. We need our own space as well. I love your second tip on this part, of which was count the kids. Tell me about that, Helen. <laughs> well, again, we've been super lucky, but there are some uh, trips we've done with uh, multi-generation or with other families. And one of the great pleasures for children traveling with, like, your best friend's family or your cousins or whatever is that you can car hop. So it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so's uh, being a pain in the back of the right. back seat. <laughs> right. you know, can she travel or can he travel with you on this leg of the journey? So that happens, and it's wonderful for kids to sit in the back of someone else's car. But you must count because uh, <laughs> kids can get left behind. Absolutely. And another tip that you have here is to take loads of photos, which again, probably sounds self-evident, but you're right. Take the opportunity to get beyond the selfie and get those group shots that you might not normally get. And you share a bunch of them in this book, which is just beautiful. Yes, that's really important to us. So we, you forget how, how important formal family photos are. And uh, some of our best family photos have been when Granny and Granddad have come along on the trip or cousins. And, um, you know, don't forget to get everyone together for a, a semi-formal uh, vacation photo. So we can find your book wherever books are sold, of course. And we can find you online at HelenEarly.com. And that's Helen, H-E-L-E-N-E-A-R-L-E-Y. You're on Twitter. You're at HFX Helen, Instagram, Helen Early, and Facebook, HelenEarly.Writer. So we can find you and your book anywhere. And Nova Scotia is a hot travel destination this summer. I'm sure you know that already. It's coming up as one of the top ones. So this is a great primer for all of our listeners. And I thank you for joining our show. Yes, and I hope to see you in Nova Scotia soon. Thank you very much. I hope so too, Helen. Take care. Greg Justice is a best-selling author, speaker, and fitness entrepreneur. He opened AYC Health and Fitness, Kansas City's original personal training center in 1986. Greg is the co-founder and CEO of Scripter Publishing Group and the chief fitness officer of Endless Rope. He was inducted into the National Fitness Hall of Fame in 2017. Greg writes feature articles for many industry publications, including Club Industry Magazine, Idea Fitness Journal, and Personal Fitness Professional Magazine, and is on the advisory board of Personal Fitness Professional Magazine. He has authored or co-authored more than 30 books. Greg holds a master's degree in HPER, Exercise Science, from Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky. Good morning, Greg. Thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to talking with you. I thoroughly enjoyed your book, Pride and Discipline, The Legacy of Jack LaLanne. Of course, I knew who Jack LaLanne was in terms of being the godfather of fitness, but I had no idea he was so humorous and witty and had such a way of phrasing things. (laughs) Well, you know, Jack liked to say without a sense of humor, it's practically impossible to be happy. So, yes, he was always 
Uh, he always had good good sense of humor, and I know that was one of the things that Elaine, his wife, uh, loved about him. Didn't say something like, um, he can't die because it would be bad for his brand image or anything like that. I love that quote. <laughs> yes, and we shared that, uh, I think, in the forward. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, who did the forward for the book, the original uh, Incredible Hulk. Yes. Uh, he mentioned that uh, comment that Jack said, yes. So let's start at the beginning, I guess, Greg. What is the purpose of the book? What inspired you to write this book about Jacqueline, who was, of course, a great friend and mentor to you? Yes, well, uh, Jack was my original mentor in the industry. He opened the first uh, modern-day health spa in 1936, and then 50 years later in 1986, uh, I opened the Midwest's first personal fitness training center here in Kansas City. And um, over the last uh, dozen or so years, I travel around the country speaking about uh, the business of fitness, and I talk about leaving a legacy. And when I would talk about legacy, I would always mention Jack uh, as my original mentor and really the guy who started it all in our industry. And as I would mention the name Jack LaLanne, I could look across the audience and see that about half of them had no idea who I was talking about. And that always bothered me um, because I think it's so important to remember the past and to honor those that got you where you are. So I reached out to Elaine and mentioned this to her, and uh, she was thrilled to be able to do this for Jack. And, in fact, you know, once we decided to go ahead and, and do the book, you know, she said that all she wanted to do before she goes to her next expression of life is to see that her husband, Jack, gets his fair due about the contributions he made to the world of fitness. So that's really the uh, beginning of the book and where it all came from. Well, that's a, a great place to come from, of course, and get into some of his feats of strength and endurance, which are lengthy. I was so surprised reading the book as well. But let's start with why Why was he called the godfather of fitness? I mean, he started everything. Was there a reason that particular title came about? Yeah, well, I mean, again, that's all I have ever known him in right. the industry as. I mean, you know, I first met Jack on TV when, he, when I was eight years old in 1968. Oh, wow. And it was uh, when I was homesick <laughs> from school, and I turned on the TV, and there he was. And it just mesmerized me, you know, his physique and his muscles and, and what he was able to do with such little uh, amount of equipment. You know, he was using a chair and mm -hmm. using water bottles and, and bands and things like that. And he created something that uh, the industry uh, has, has benefited greatly from, you know, those simple things. Uh, just for functional movement. Now, of course, you know, he also invented some of the equipment that we still use today, the weight selector units, the first leg extension machine, the first squat machine, which we call the Smith machine now. Um, but, you know, his contributions just are, they just never end when you read about all the things that he created for the industry. Uh, and that's where, the, you know, the, the name The Godfather of Fitness came from because we still, to this day, uh, 111 years after, uh, 106 years, I'm sorry, after he was born, we're still using a lot of the things that he invented and created for the industry. So amazing that you're right, 106 years ago. And this is, you know, sort of we think of some of these fitness things as being irreverent. And of course, 
tobacco was at the forefront of so many of them. And he also used to really talk about the importance of age was really just more or less, you know, the, the number that was on your birth certificate wasn't really, you know, how old you were. And he really promoted fitness at many levels. He was one of the first to promote using weights for older folks. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, not only was he the first to work with the um, uh, aging population, but he was the first to work with weights and women, mm-hmm. the first to bring weights into the um, realm of athletics. He was the first to introduce weight training to the um, abled and disabled. Um, and, you know, and, and he, he, was, he wanted everybody to experience what it felt like to have that uh, vim and vigor as we age. And, and one of my absolute favorite quotes of his, and there are many, but probably my favorite quote is when he said, your health account is like your bank account. The more you put in, the more you can take out. And, and that just has reson- resonated with me from the very first time I heard that quote. Chris, he talked about nutrition as well. And now as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, so every day when I do my weight workout, I could either, you know, uh, praise or blame Jacqueline. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is exactly right. <laughs> so what what are some of the things that we should know about Jack? What were some of his feats of strength and endurance? There are many I know. Can you give us sort of the top ones? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm going to start kind of from the, the back of, you know, the one that we in the industry, I think, remember the most is when he was 70 years old on his 70th birthday, uh, he, he was fighting a strong wind and currents, wind currents pulling 70 boats with 70 people. He was handcuffed and shackled and swam a mile and a half in Long Beach Harbor. And that was to celebrate his 70th birthday. Now, he wanted to do that again when he was turning 80. But Elaine said, if you even <laughs> think about it, I'll divorce you. <laughs> but yeah, I, at 70 years old, to be able to do something like that is just remarkable. I read that in your book, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm turning 60 next year. Do I have to start looking for 60 boats? There's no possible way I can do that. The book is full of fun, fun anecdotes. And, of course, uh, all of his great, you've been able to reproduce a lot of his fitness routines, which, as you mentioned earlier, you know, are very sort of simple. You don't need a lot of equipment. You can work your way into them. They still stand up today, in fact, more so than ever, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. If we want to find a copy of this book, we certainly can find it. Your name is Greg Justice. That's J-U-S-T-I-C-E. And that's your website as well. We can find you at AYCFit.com and EndlessRope.com. And you are on Instagram and Facebook at GregJustice1, GregJustice1. I want people to be able to find you and your book. I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been such such a great interview. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, Greg. You too. Thank you. Kate Wright has been the captain of the Canadian women's field hockey team for the past 10 years. She is the most capped female field hockey player in Canadian history, representing her country over 220 times. Kate has competed in three Commonwealth Games and three Pan American Games and has led her team to capture a Pan American Games bronze medal in 2015 and a silver medal in 2019. Unfortunately, her team was unsuccessful in qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics, losing in a sudden death shootout. Most recently, Kate has been taking on new challenges as a first-time mom with number two on the way and with her role on the marketing and citizenship team and as manager of the RBC Olympians program in BC. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for joining the show today as part of our Take 5 with RBC. 
Thank you for having me. So, Kate, I just read your bio. Very impressive. Uh, Congratulations on your athletic success. But can you tell me what inspired you to pursue a career in sport and maybe how your family may have inspired you to do so? Yeah, of course. So um, I was the captain of the Canadian women's team for 10 years and represented my country for, I guess, almost 15. Wow. (laughs) So almost half my life. And the other half was also very involved in sport. Both my parents were high-level athletes, so my dad competed in the NHL, Mm. and my mom represented Canada in track and field. Oh, wow. So we had, and it's funny because um, I'm in the middle between two boys, and the older one wasn't really into sports. Um, He definitely participated, but when I came along, my parents said there was, you know, they could tell (laughs) that I really really wanted to play everything I could. You were the one. And so... My mom put me into figure skating to start, and I remember my dad coming to a recital and saw I could skate. So he pulled me out of figure skating and put me into ice hockey gear. Of course. <laughs> and um, I competed at a very high level for, for girls in, in ice hockey. We grew up in Kingston, Ontario. Mm-hmm. So field hockey wasn't really a, a big sport. So I played ice hockey, soccer, track and field, <laughs> anything I could get my hands on. And my parents were just so supportive and, and anything I wanted to try and ended up falling into field hockey in grade nine in high school and excelled quite quickly in the sport and ended up making the national team uh, just three years after I picked up my first stick. That's amazing. So it was very quick, but a true testament to playing all those different sports growing up and Field hockey was just a great combination of all of them. So you are an RBC Olympian. Can you tell me about that program and what you do in this role? Yes. So I feel very fortunate to be an RBC Olympian. Um, it's a national initiative that provides support to Canadian athletes, and they help help the athletes succeed while they're in competition, but also when you start to transition out of competition. So you can imagine mm-hmm. as a high-level athlete, you put 100% into your sport, into your passion. And so finding ways to grow outside of who you are as an athlete can be quite challenging because of your schedule. So RBC recognizes this and works around training, travel, competition schedules, and also provides financial support to these athletes. And on top of that, gives... Um, such valuable career experience. So this is, there's this flexible kind of work arrangement. And as part of RBC, you know, these athletes are ambassadors and they spread the RBC and Olympic shared values, of teamwork, excellence, commitment, and leadership uh, to the communities across Canada. And I'm in a role with RBC out here in BC as the program manager. So I help organize the athletes for different speaking events, um, And I'm also very fortunate to be part of the marketing and citizenship team here in BC. That's amazing. And I mean, RBC has another terrific program that we need to touch on today, which is the RBC Training Ground. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, the Training Ground, I'm very, you know, it's such an amazing initiative and I'm pretty jealous I wasn't (laughs) able to be a part of it. So RBC has created the RBC Training Ground. And it's a talent identification and athlete funding program. And it's designed to find young Canadian athletes with Olympic potential and provide them with the resources that they need to achieve their podium dreams. So it's a free program. Um, There are these training grounds hosted all over Canada for young athletes ages 14 to 25. 
and you go and you're tested through a number of different um, athletic tests and basically you have the chance to see if if you're suited for an Olympic sport. Hmm. And we've seen amazing results from this program. In fact, gold medal results. Uh, We had one of my favorite stories, success stories from this is her name is Kelsey Mitchell and she uh, played soccer in university he graduated, didn't really know what was next for her, and so she decided to attend a training ground. And she had amazing power numbers, and Cycling Canada picked her up. Um, she said she hadn't ridden a bike in over 12 or 15 years, and she just won a gold medal in Tokyo 2020. Amazing. <laughs> and for our listeners, if they want to find out more about the Training Ground program, they can go to rbctrainingground.ca if they have a child or a grandchild who might want to sign up. Kate, thank you for so much for sharing your story. Again, congratulations on your success and good luck with the new baby on the way. Thanks for joining the show this morning. Thank you so much. Take care. It's not what you do some of the time that counts. It's what you do all of the time that counts. Jack LaLanne said this, which is very similar to what my personal trainer used to say to me. Don't worry about what you eat between Christmas and New Year's. Worry about what you eat between New Year's and Christmas. She also used to say, if you don't squeeze your glutes, no one else will. But that's for another day. That's Marika Peterson, who is on episodes 14 and 33, giving us some helpful everyday exercise movements. Thanks to Marika for introducing me to Greg Justice, one of today's guests. And thank you to RBC for giving me the opportunity to speak with Kate Wright, such an inspiring young woman and terrific role model for our grandchildren interested in pursuing a future in the field of athletics. I've been to Halifax quite a few times, but regrettably mostly on business, so didn't really have the opportunity to explore the city or the province, but something I am determined to do now with Helen's help. Next week on GoToGrandma, we're heading to cottage country. Owning a family cottage can be at both times wonderful and woeful as the generations multiply and the responsibilities split between many family members. But that's the downside. The upside is, of course, the family time we can get in with our grandchildren. I've got real estate expert Josie Vogels back on the show to talk about the cottage marketplace and what to look out for when thinking about purchasing a family cottage. Our Take 5 with RBC segment also focuses on the family cottage and what their financial advisors will tell you before you purchase and how to manage it when you want to sell or pass on the cottage to your kids. Tax implications, estate planning, we go through it all. A couple that loves their cottage as a respite for themselves, their kids, and their grandchildren is Patty Lovett-Reed and her husband, Jim Reed. Patty's a friend of the show, and I can't wait to talk with Granddad Jim about how he's spending time with the grandkids, but still had time to work writing a book into his busy schedule. We'll talk about his newly published work, Leading to Greatness. Hey, maybe I should write a book called Leading to Grandness. Tune in next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.